When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we are back for another dose of Three and Out. Alongside Mike Golick, I'm Stephen Hartzell. We are College Sports Now. Mike is on his way to Tuscaloosa for number two, Alabama, hosting Arkansas. That's the college football Saturday night game of the week coming up this weekend. Mike, how was uh, how was last Saturday in, in little old Winston-Salem, Wake Forest, NC State? You had a good one on your hands. Yeah, I really did. Let me, let me tell you, you can't be anything but in pro. Well, with both those schools, especially the North Carolina State defense had been playing well. But you got to give up for Wake Forest. I mean, the smallest undergraduate um, t- total for students in all of Power 5 football, 5,200 undergraduates. I think they have about 8,000 with, um, with graduates. A 36,000-seat stadium. And it was rocking, and Dave Clawson has that team going, especially that offense. They are playing some great ball. They are fun to watch. It was a close one uh, for a little bit. North Carolina made it a little. North Carolina State made it a little bit close, and then Wake Forest started pulling away in this one. It was a. It was a lot of fun. What what a great town, a great college town that it was. And for Wake Forest, I mean, listen, you know, you're you're sitting there at at, at I believe what is it number ten. Uh, now and with with one loss, you got the open road to the ACC championship game. Now I don't think they're they're going to get in. I don't think they have a chance to get in. I don't think the ACC champ will get in this year. But I mean, what a what a great building continuation for about the last three years. They've had a phenomenal offense working, and now you know with with Clemson being down, who's going to take control? Of the of the ACC, you know, Wake Forest has 53 players on their roster that have four years of eligibility left, and a lot of those guys we were calling Kate and I, we were saying freshmen, 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 sophomore who were making plays for them. So it'll be I'll, I'll be real interested next few years where Wake Forest ends up in all this. Wake Forest is an underdog Saturday at high noon at Clemson. <laughs> I mean, I you know, and again, you talked about the offense, Mike, like. Can Clemson keep up? I know their defense is still really good down there, but you know you got to figure like I think Wake's put up at least thirty-five in every game this year. So they're, can Clemson hang the, around? 
they're the only team in FBS that has put up at least 35 in every single game. Think about it. The two games we covered, North Carolina State and um, and Wake Forest, if Wake beats Clemson, those two teams will have beaten Florida State and Clemson in the same year. There's all kind of stats going around on when teams have beaten those two teams because those have, you know, we know when Florida State was good. It hasn't been for a bit, but Clemson has been. So they've, they've traded off being, you know, powerful teams. So now we're like, okay, who else can step up? Do we expect Clemson to be back like they were next year, or is this going to be kind of a kind of an open, wide open conference for a few years? I, I'm excited to see what happens in the ACC. Yeah, it, it it it's definitely going to be interesting. It's a banner season for Wake Forest, regardless. They have to win one of the next two. It's Clemson or Boston College. They don't need them both, but one of those cements their spot in Charlotte for an ACC championship game. So pretty wild stuff coming out of the dash. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence. All right, we got some CFP stuff. We got some coaching carousel stuff. The carousel's not spinning yet, Mike, but the job openings in you know big time FBS football. I mean, the list continues to grow. You can add Virginia Tech. And uh, Washington to the mix. Uh, th- I mean, th- this offseason and, and really the next couple of weeks, because this stuff will start getting ironed out right around championship weekend, that, that first Saturday and Sunday in December. I, I mean, it's going to be hot and heavy. It's going to start moving pretty quick on some of these jobs. W- what do you make of the landscape? We've known well, about Southern Cal. We've known about LSU. But again, the list continues to grow, and there's other jobs out there, like Miami, that may be coming open as well. So it's going to get weird here quickly. Yeah, Miami fired their AD. They're going to get a new AD. And is the AD going to want to start over with his own coach? And if he does, the name Mario Cristobal from Oregon will come up because he's a Miami guy through and through. Uh, but what here's here's the kind of the shrapnel of what this does. And shrapnel is the wrong word uh, for this because shrapnel can mean a bad thing. And this is a good thing. Look at the deal Mel Tucker is about to sign. So Mel Tucker is having a phenomenal year. At Michigan State, I know it was, you know, the, the quick exit in Colorado left a uh, bad taste in some people's mouth there. But he's, he's, he's helping turn that program around in Michigan State. And obviously he's being eyed up for other jobs. His name becomes into it. And we've talked about this. What does that do? There can only be one coach that fills those positions, but multiple coaches are talked about it. So what happens? Those guys get a raise. They're working on a 10-year 90, I think it's 10 years, $95 million extension for Mel Tucker, who the last couple of years, nobody has said, boy, Mel Tucker's about to be one of the highest paid college coaches, you know, of all time. I think he would be the highest, you know, African-American paid coach in, in college sports um, if, if once that deal comes through. But this is what happens. You start to you have a great year, and then your name gets thrown about, and that's that's the ancillary thing. That's probably a better word than shrapnel. That's the ancillary thing of this. Is there are other coaches that are going to get paid when their name comes up to try and keep them at the job that they're at, or unless the the, the school, unless Michigan State would have said, you know, we're not doing that, but they are, and that brings up kind of another thing that gives me a bad taste in my mouth. Like Michigan State drops, you know, swimming and diving. You know, here's here they're they're about to pay their coach. Nine million, whatever it's going to be, ninety-five million dollars. Yet they're dropping sports, and they did that a while ago. That's just a bummer to me because I know a lot of uh, of kids at Notre Dame who are in 
soccer and lacrosse, and certainly my daughter was in swimming. So I hate to see that. And I get it. They're not revenue sports like football is, but it's just tough to see for a big school like that, you know, that, that, that uh, Obitigo dropped swimming and diving, yet they are going to shell out tens of millions of dollars for a coach for the football team. But like I said, I understand it. It's more my heart that feels bad for those kind of uh, those athletes than my head that understands that, that realizes the business of this. But the others, you know, I was just talking about this with other people about job openings and who fits where. Here's the deal, and I've said this all along, Stephen. I, I said, what what's what's in a person's mind and or heart? This goes for college players, college coaches, NFL players, NFL coaches. You know, college players, if they're not getting their playing time, they want to transfer somewhere that's going to be good for them. College coaches sign a long-term contract, but if a better opportunity comes up, they go. And we criticize them, but they're allowed to do it, so they do it. In the NFL, if you're a free agent, what is your motives for going somewhere? Do you have a ring already? Is it geography? Is it money? What is it? And for a coach, same thing. You know, why are you moving around? Why would you go to another team? Everybody has a different reason. It's not all in the same box. So, Looking at these openings, I mean, how about throwing the name out right away at Virginia Tech, a young coach who just, you know, is getting going at South Carolina, Frank Beamer's son, Shane Beamer. Sure. I mean, wouldn't that be uh, uh, amazing? Um, I I don't know if it's going to happen. That would be a heck of a – of a, of a family move from, from Frank and then a little pause and then to Shane, who's got obviously a lot of years in front of him as a coach. But, but that's kind of the way I look at it. Names are going to pop up. Like I said, if Miami pops up, and I don't know if it will, Mario Cristobal is going to be associated with it right away because of his ties there. And who knows? Maybe somebody feels so deeply about going back to a school they went to, or maybe they don't. So that's always the interesting thing to me is what – What's the motivation for a coach? And for a lot of them, it's, hey, just get my name out there mentioned in that, and I'm going to get a bump at the school on that. Where do you start seeing that? Because that's going to happen. Because there's always multiple coaches being talked about for openings, and as I said, only one can fill it. Those other ones, they may get a bump to a significant bump at the school that they're at right now. Yeah, that, that th- those are all interesting points. And, I, you know, hey, you could have the discussion over a couple of beverages at the Thanksgiving table. What's a better job? South Carolina or Virginia Tech, right? Like if you're Shane Beamer, you know, that that may very well be a discussion that's happening around his Thanksgiving table uh, over the next week or so. So I I think it is interesting. I I love seeing the trajectory of some of these programs come down to your athletic director's got to make a call. And it's it's, it's kind of a legacy-defining call for these ADs. Who's going to be the next head coach? Mike, do you have a take on like – Listen, I think most people agree in, in some order LSU and, and USC are the two best jobs that are open. Do, yeah. do, do you have an opinion on what the third best job in college football is right now that in terms of openings when you look at this list? So what, So it, it's those two and then throw the others. It's Virginia Tech. You got Virginia Tech. You got Washington that just opened up out in Seattle. You got Washington right, right. State and Pullman. You got TCU and Fort yeah. Worth and a new look or what's right. going to be a new look Big 12. Like What, what do you it's think the be third best Big job 12. is? Boy, that, that's a great question. Um, wow. Um, I, you know, you look at, you don't know what the new Big 12 is going to be. Again, do you want to go into a conference that's being dominated by other schools, right? So right now, would you say in the Pac-12, so you have openings there, Washington, Washington State, and USC. So, and, and it's Oregon right now, but as, as my, my partner in crime, Kate Scott, says, the Pac-12 is going to Pac-12. A lot of times they eat their own, they eat their young. They, 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 
nail themselves. Now, Oregon's trying to play through that, though they slipped up against Stanford, so we'll see. So do you go there and the fact that you could be at the top maybe quickly there if you get some if you get that recruiting going at SC again? I think SC is obviously going to be you know better than Washington and Washington State, but we know that we said that in LSU. Virginia Tech, where, where is the ACC going to be? How are they going to build? I think I think Virginia Tech and TCU are two very very interesting ones to me because of there's no powerhouse now. In the ACC, though, we all wonder if how quickly Clemson can come back, but will it be somebody else? So you have a chance to build there. And then in TCU, the whole landscape of that conference is going to change when you, when you lose the schools you're going to lose to the SEC. Um, so that could be another one. Okay, once this landscape changes, is that going to kind of be an open, kind of open season on where we're going to be? So I would, I would choose one of those schools – Virginia Tech or TCU is probably the third in this, and for those two different reasons. Uh, and then, you know, then it may go to geography. How well can you? How well can you recruit? You start thinking about recruiting in Texas. If you're in TCU, where are those big time Texas recruits going to go? Can you get them? You know, same thing in the ACC. You know, is Clemson and or Florida State yeah. going to get a lot of those recruits? Uh, or how can that change? But I'd say one of those. I'd say it's probably a pick 'em. Between one of those, do you think one is, is better than the other, or do you have a different third? Well, I, I think the Washington job is, is fascinating just because, you know, folks who are a little bit older, and, and I throw myself in that mix as I approach 40, I mean, Washington was a, a dominant program in the Pac-12. They've won a national championship before, and I know folks who are, you know, in their teens may not realize that, and I don't want to throw the term sleeping giant around loosely. I think that could be overused when describing some of these programs, but I think if you find the right fit or the, the right fit and and candidly, I, I think Chris Peterson was that fit in Seattle. He took yeah, Washington yeah. to a playoff before they got waxed by Alabama. But who doesn't get waxed by Alabama in the playoff? So I, I think Washington's a fascinating job. TCU hasn't had to hire a head coach in over two decades, right? Gary Patterson's just been there forever. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. And again, it's called a carousel because it's going to spin, right? If, if Luke Fickle yep, takes yep. a job, that means Cincinnati comes open. If Shane Beamer goes to Blacksburg, that means South Carolina comes open. The LSU job is crazy because that is a soap opera that's playing out with some big-time names. You mentioned the Mel Tucker extension. That is a direct relation to him being yes. at the top of that wish list. The Jimbo Fisher rumors of leaving Texas A&M to go to Baton Rouge. Now uh, Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma is being linked to the job opening. So, yeah, it, it's going to get weird, and I'm here for it. I think it's great because a lot oh, of people man, think college football is just a big soap opera anyway. So here we yeah, go. Yeah, me too. I think the two young coaches that I keep an eye on are Luke Fickle from Cincinnati and Matt Campbell from Iowa State as far as if they move on a bit. And I agree with you about Washington, about a sleeping giant. My only fear with Washington, and a coach knows this, you kind of get lost in the Pacific Northwest when your games are on late at night. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think they get the respect from the committee as a conference. And that and remember, it's going to open up. We got we to know in, in, I don't know when, but sooner rather than later, we're going to go to 12 teams. So you're going to be able to get, you know, possibility of multiple teams from conferences. And the, and the Pac-12 just, I don't think, has enough respect by these are 13 human beings. And again, that committee will is going to roll over as it does. And in a few years, 
Uh, I'm going to be on that committee. That's still a goal of mine when I'm done working all this. I do want to be on that committee. And I promise you, Pac-12, this is like me stumping, you know. I promise you, Pac-12, I won't overlook you because your games are, are late at night. Um, but I, I, I wonder, I do wonder if that goes into a potential coach's thought process that it may be exponentially a little harder, you know, to grab the hearts and the minds of the 13-person committee. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's a bunch of humans in a in a conference room talking about this yep. stuff. It, yes, it, it absolutely yes. <laughs> it absolutely plays a role in the evaluation of these yep. of these teams. If you're not watching this stuff live, and in some cases, how can you? They start at 10:30 Eastern. Right, it's, it's exactly. tough. By the way, I, I think the Pac-12 might be hosting the game of the weekend in college football. You, you mentioned uh, the Pacific Northwest, number three Oregon, traveling to Salt Lake City to to play a Utah team. The Utes are favored. I mean, it's, it's only by a field goal, but that, that this is a stern test for the Ducks on the road. And, oh, yeah, it, it might be the first of two meetings between Oregon and Utah because these are the two division champs if the season ended today. so I mean, and think about the run that Oregon has to make. I, I think they're the ones I look at in the top four right now that say they have the toughest road. Utah, Oregon State, who I covered, and, you know, they have another one of these high-flying offenses – and though they did lose to Colorado in the game we did out there, and Colorado was under 500, and then like you mentioned, Utah again. So that's a tough road, and they they obviously can't afford one slip up, or they're going to be out. So that's the one Cincinnati fans need to root for Utah, Oregon State, and Utah again if it gets to that point, because they need people in front of them to get knocked out. Yeah, yeah, Cincinnati, you know, just hanging out at five. There there have been no changes to the CFP top nope. seven. Everybody took care of their business last week. We'll see how that uh, how that plays out coming up on Saturday. Uh, Mike, speaking of Saturday, you are in Tuscaloosa, Arkansas, on the road at number two Alabama. This is a three thirty Eastern kick. It's the CBS game on TV, which means it will take literally four hours and fifteen minutes to complete those yes, games. Those commercial breaks, man. You uh, you could play a round of golf like in between like quarters of the cbs game i mean it's outrageous i i, I nerd out on this stuff but I, I mean the tv format for cbs is is off the wall it's bananas so arkansas alabama give us a quick scout this is your first look i believe of the season up close in person with number two alabama yeah, yeah uh, of alabama the last time i had an up close and personal look at them was uh the 2012 season it was the 2013 national championship game when they played against my my sons mike and jake when they were at notre dame on the national championship game, and that wasn't pretty. Uh, I got to see it up close. I got to, you know, talk to Nick a little bit before that game as well. Talked to Nick more than a few times when I've covered them in the past calling games. But, yeah, that was the last time I saw them up close and personal, and uh, they obviously smoked Notre Dame that game, and it's a game uh, that we're contractually I'm not allowed to talk about anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> or maybe I just don't want to. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to this because, man, I, I mean – I, I, you, I, keep think, I keep saying if Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship game, we have not had a two-loss team in the Final Four. I don't think it'll happen. But what if, what if Georgia beats them on a last-second field goal? Or what if Georgia wins a very, very close game they're ahead and, and, and they stay ahead, but it's very, very close? Does the committee still put Alabama ahead of an undefeated Cincinnati team? Because if there is a two-loss team to ever make the playoffs, Alabama – we all know would be that team. But it's just hard for me to think that a two-loss team would still be 
uh, over the top of an undefeated, even though Alabama's schedule would have been much harder than Cincinnati's and their losses would have been to Georgia and to Texas A&M. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. they got to get through this game, and that's how Nick Saban – there's Nick Saban, you know, don't, don't, don't listen to the poison out there, the rat poison. You know, they got to take it one game at a time, and, and he coaches that so well, and that's why his teams do so. Well, listen, they're, they're, I mean, they're, they're stacked again. I mean, I, I sit there and go over all these players and they're four stars, five stars, you know, number one, number two recruit. I mean, they're littered everywhere. We know that. Bryce Young is having a monster year. You know, he's going to be up there for the Heisman along with Walker over at Michigan State and what he's doing and others. Uh, they, they have, you know, first-round picks all over the place again. So, I mean, it's another one of these normal Alabama teams who, though, give up a few points – at times on defense. That's one thing they definitely do. I, you know, so we, we kind of know what Alabama is. It's been a machine for so long. So I'm interested. I, I'm really ha- I, lo- I really am a fan of Sam Pittman, the new coach. He's great. Uh, second He's year great. here He's so at Arkansas. Good. Love him. Everybody loves him. He's been an O-line coach for so long, and uh, and he took over this team. And and this year, you know, they, they started out four wins in a row, their last one uh, back in September, their fourth win over A&M, and then they dropped three in a row. They dropped to Georgia, to Ole Miss, and to Auburn. All three quality teams, by the way, um, before they picked up a few more wins, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, Mississippi State, and then they just beat LSU. So I like what he's building there. I mean, they have four rushers over 400 yards, so they spread it around, including their quarterback, K.J. Jefferson. And wait till people get a load of this dude. 6'3", about 245. I mean, he is a big, big By dude. the way, I, I think that's being generous. I, I don't think he's yes, I agree. 45 since maybe like – I don't like a year ago. I mean, he's like two seventy five, Mike. He's that. I mean, listen. I, I don't. I love the guy. He's, he's one of my favorite players in college dude. football. But he is husky. He is a big. Oh, dude. he is a big, big dude. He's thrown for seventeen touchdowns. He's run for five. Like I mentioned, one of four. It's him and three backs that have rushed for over four hundred yards. They have a kid in Traylon Burks who could be a first round pick uh, as a wide receiver. So I'm, I'm really, really looking forward. To seeing what they do, I, you know, I, I think Alabama's the better team, and I think they'll show it, but I love what Sam Pittman is doing at Arkansas. So, and, and what you have, and they, they have one of the, if not the hardest schedule in the country. You know, you listen to the, some of the names I've already spouted off of who they played, so, you know, they're, they're stepping in every Saturday, and their kids are getting a test. If there are two, two names, though, this is like the all-name game, two names, one name for Alabama, their cornerback, his nickname, but, but this is what he goes by, Kool-Aid McKinstry. Kool-Aid. And it's Kool-Aid. Spelled like Kool-Aid. <laughs> I mean, it's awesome. And then the leading tackler for Arkansas, yep. he has 100 tackles on the air. His name is Bumper Pool. Of course it is. Uh, yeah, it's Bumper Pool. So how many times Kate and I are going to say Bumper Pool's on the tackle or, you know, pass broken up by Kool-Aid? Hey, Kool-Aid. I mean, how cool is that it's to awesome. go along with this game? So looking forward to it again to where Arkansas is in this process right now. And for Alabama, I mean, that's what we're all doing. We're all pointing to that SEC championship game. And again, for Cincinnati uh, uh, fans out there, you're root- rooting against Alabama all you can, even though, it'll, uh, as I said, it'll be interesting if they do get it to the SEC title game and they lose a close one, what will happen? Yeah, and you get to go to one of the great venues, one of the great college yes. football towns in, in the country, and you get to see an SEC game this week 
you know, the, the, the penultimate week of the regular season, you get to see an SEC team actually playing somebody because this is how about it? This is the week the SEC usually likes to schedule directional FCS team before their big rivalry to close it out. Yeah, this so. is the week they this is the week they normally hand out money to other teams to come in and take their whooping. Lots of money. Yeah. Yeah. Like seven, so you got seven any, figures. Any, yes. any food, uh, any food uh, thoughts for? I have been to uh, I have been to Tuscaloosa as, as like a drive. No, the answer is no. Although you will be with uh, you'll be with Tom, and I'm sure he's been down there many times, so he will take care of you guys. Y'all ate well. Yeah. In oh yeah. Y'all ate well in Winston Salem. So you 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 did right when you were here. You got some barbecue, which is what you have. We to did. Do. We um, did. It all it all went very very well. So we, we we have been eating. That's the one thing I miss about this year. Certainly calling games, but the food. Our our night our night before dinner and our morning of breakfast uh, well we'll talk probably fo- put on about five ten pounds we'll talk food next week because it's thanksgiving and I- i'd love to get your yes. takes on turkey and god knows what else is being consumed at the <laughs> Golic household for uh for thanksgiving but mike safe travels on the road enjoy the capstone 3 30 eastern kick college football saturday night you can listen to it on pretty much every platform there is sirius xm the Varsity Network app and over 100 terrestrial radio stations. Mike, good stuff as always, man. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game. All right, sounds good. Talk to you. There you go. We are back on Friday. Michael Felder will be stopping in. So long. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.